AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Higgins at the bottom of your screen. Burrow, pressure coming, looking for Higgins. He's got it! Touchdown! Players not plays, and the player there is T. Higgins. Third down and six. First down and more. Taking it all the way into the end zone. Odell Beckham Jr. His first reception today, 40 yards for a Ravens TD. Bunch formation to the right, second and goal. Watson looking to run. No, able to get the pass away from behind the line of scrimmage and more as a Browns touchdown. And Cleveland is back to within one score. Let's try to work a little clock here. And a four book raising up behind the strike. Hold that pose. That's tough to win. Steph Curry, good look. He got it, and he was fouled. Kobe can't get it to say it. Corner wide open, Brown bounces it, buries it. 240 yards of offense for Jacksonville, 107 for the Steelers. Lawrence sets and throws a deep shot. It's caught by ETN. ETN is going to take it all the way. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, November 16th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. The Ravens and the Bengals, who you got tonight, ATS in Baltimore. The Browns, uh, does no Deshaun Watson? Does that mean no postseason? The Suns, what stood out last night? The NBA, why did they even try to prevent load management? The Jags, is there doubt whether Trevor Lawrence will be around after next year? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday in moments of the introduction of today's pipeline. 10.15 or so, we'll have a Ravens-Bengals preview. Luke Jones will join us from WNST.net. 10.30 or so, it'll be interactive action, 602-260-1060. Also some local roundup including uh, some uh, Suns and Wolves observations from last night. And we'll throw in a little uh, bottom line from the pipeline questions that you'll hear in a couple of minutes here. Meanwhile, in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by Rip from the Headlines and From the Wire. Then after the Sports Zone, from, a ten, uh, from 11 to 1, I'll get this right. You know, it's, only, it's been like two weeks since the time changed. From 11 to 1, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kale. That include more phone call time at 602-260-1060. Right now, on to the pipeline we go.
time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is who you got tonight, ATS. Bengals plus four, Ravens minus four. And Corey is here and has the early returns. Right now, split down the middle 50-50 on KDUS1060.com. That number's actually moved to three and a half here in the last hour or so. So uh, we'll monitor that and give you the updated line towards the end of the hour in the final segment of the Sports Zone today. Meanwhile, uh, each team has significant injuries, unfortunately, on both sides of the ball. The Bengals will be without T. Higgins and Sam Hubbard, while the Ravens will likely be without Ronnie Stanley. In fact, he's been ruled out. And Marlon Humphrey, their cornerback, uh, their best corner, is considered doubtful. Here, uh, today's Twitter poll question, does Sean Watson, does a season-ending injury mean a no postseason uh, for the Browns? And, uh, Corey, what do we have here? Leading now is yes, 73.3% of the vote there. No at 26.7 right now on KDUSAM 1060 on Twitter. The uh, Browns officially announced yesterday that Dorian Thompson Robinson will start ahead of P.J. Walker at least this week against the Steelers. Meanwhile, back on the local front, or to the local front we go, the Suns did not uh, have the big three last night. Devin Booker did return, but uh, Bradley Beal now out again with the back problem. Uh, the, they just Suns did in the four-game losing streak last night with an easy victory over the Timberwolves. Timberwolves had actually won seven straight before last night. So what stood out during the Suns' 133-115 to win over the Timberwolves? Beyond spanning the globe, uh, another night in the NBA. No Jalen Brown and Chris Tapps Porzingis for the Celtics versus the Sixers. The Bucks were without Giannis at Toronto. And Steph Curry has already been ruled out of the Warriors game tonight, the nationally televised game against the Thunder. So why did the NBA even bother uh, to, to basically try to you know, eliminate load management and they, you know, they threatened to fine teams for players missing games? Why did they even try to do that? Meanwhile, the Jags may have a decision to make. There was a conversation Wednesday on the NFL Network as to whether they will exercise their fifth-year option on Trevor Lawrence's contract. So, should there be any doubt, really, uh, a thought, or anything along those lines, that Trevor Lawrence may not be staying in Jacksonville after the 2024 season? Never crossed my mind, but uh, I said this was a discussion yesterday in the NFL Network that obviously caught my attention to throw it into the pipeline here. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We've got the latest tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Suns and Bengals preview with Luke Jones from WNST in Baltimore. Luke has been on this show for many years. Uh, we've talked about the Ravens uh, in different you know, situations. Uh, this situation, a little bit different. They blew another fourth quarter lead last Sunday. 
and lost and blew a big lead. In fact, as it turned out, two-score lead and lost at home to the Browns. So we'll get into that and uh, obviously some of the uh, matchups for tonight uh, against the Bengals. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion at that time, plus some local roundup, a little bottom line from some of the questions you just heard. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Well, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle Lux HD 2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. The Ravens and the Bengals meet tonight. It's a matchup that lost a little bit of juice, a little momentum uh, when they both lost last Sunday, but we're looking forward to this, especially considering we were you know, forced to view uh, the uh, the Bears and the uh, Panthers last Thursday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Luke Jones of WNST.net in uh, Baltimore. Luke, we've been doing this enough years. Uh, you probably know where I'm going to start with this, but I'm going to start with Sunday. Looked like the Ravens were headed to a fifth consecutive victory before they blew the the two-score lead at home against the Browns. What was uh, the biggest reason for that fourth-quarter collapse last Sunday? Yeah, I mean, you just said it. Unfortunately, it's become a a familiar story for the Ravens, despite how many games they've won the last couple years. When they've lost, it's kind of been this fashion. But, Bob, I, I think the biggest thing that was concerning for the Ravens was just how poorly they tackled. I mean, this has been such a good defense this year, and even Mm. in recent years where their defense has still been highly ranked, if there was something that you could point to, you'd say, okay, maybe the tackling not as sound as it needs to be. And it had had been that way uh, through their first nine games of the season. They had tackled extremely well, and they didn't tackle well on Sunday. So Cleveland, with their ability to run the ball, and Deshaun Watson kind of turning back the clock in the second half, even with – uh, this shoulder injury, as we all came to find out uh, yesterday, uh, they just you know, they they were just too leaky uh, with their tackling, you know, the yards after the catch, uh, yards on the ground, and uh, give give Cleveland credit. I mean, they they were the more physical football team in the second half, and uh, this Ravens team that was feeling so great about themselves on both sides of the ball. I mean, they just they could not make the play to finish the football game in the fourth quarter, and. Uh, Cleveland ended up uh, coming back and beating them. So uh, a lot of frustration. But in terms of the X's and O's and not the psychological aspect of these blown leads the last couple years, I really do point to the tackling and just uh, they they missed too many tackles, uh, allowed extra yards time and time again, and Cleveland really took advantage of it. You you mentioned uh, seven blown leads the last two years after leading in the fourth quarter. That's tied for most in the NFL yeah, other than tackling, are there a couple things that really kind of stand out as constants here or just uh, something different every time? I think what's so frustrating about it, Bob, is it has been something different. Now, I will say this. They've had some bad mistakes, you know, whether a costly turnover, a bad penalty, some questionable clock management. I mean, it's, just, it's kind of been all over the board. I mean, last year – uh, in those fourth-quarter blown leads, it was really the defense, which otherwise had been excellent under Mike McDonald, but came up small late in games. Uh, this year, you know, 
uh, even though I'd put more of it on the defense uh, late in Sunday's game, but, you know, it's been the offense that has played well through three quarters and not played well in the fourth quarter, whether you're talking about four-minute offense situations where they're trying to chew clock and protect the lead, uh, whether it's an untimely turnover like Lamar Jackson throwing the pick in the end zone in, in uh, week five against Pittsburgh in a game that they should have won probably by two or three scores and ended up losing. Uh, I, I think that's what's frustrating is that it has been different things uh, in these games. And, you know, for me at, at this point in time, when you're talking about six, seven different games, and mind you, a lot of these games with Lamar Jackson playing quarterback, you know, we can talk about yeah. late last year when he was hurt or the year before that, but it's just, it's kind of been all over the place and it's kind of been a collective team effort in any one of these losses where you, okay, you point to the offense, point to the defense. Special teams had a gaffe against Indianapolis back in week three uh, with some clock management on a kickoff where they called a fair catch uh, and basically gave the Colts an extra timeout. It's really been all over the board. So, you know, you can kind of look at that one of two ways. You can say, okay, well, it's not this resounding theme in every single one. So you could say, okay, it's not this chronic one fatal flaw they have, but at the same time, when everyone's taking turns, you know, you kind of look at the mental side of this and say, you know, is there some kind of block here? Is, there, is this team lacking a killer instinct, uh, you know, considering the talent level that they have overall, that they can build these leads, but they haven't held on to all of them? Uh, that's where it's been really frustrating for this football team. And for me at this point, as the big picture going back four or five years now is uh, this era of the Ravens breaking through in January, uh, we were talking about that being uh, an issue for this team even before these blown leads of the last year or two. Uh, for me, I, I kind of do question the psyche. As good as this team is, my goodness, they've looked like the best team in the NFL at times this year, but why does this keep happening? Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of been all over the place as far as a lapse here or there in any phase of the game that's costing them football games in these situations, uh, whereas, you know, they're 7-3, and three, they're still in great shape, but you could really yeah. look at this football team and say, you make one more play in those three losses, and you're talking about a 10-0 and 0 football team, but you are what your record says you are, and they're 7-3 and three instead. Todd Munkin's first season as the offensive coordinator. I know we talked in the preseason. We really weren't that sure how this was going to look because of, you know, lar largely because they didn't really you know, do anything with their starters in the preseason. But we have 10 games of evidence now, so how would you describe Munkin's offense? more good than bad. I mean, you look at them right now, they're fifth in the league in points per game. They've been good on third down. Uh, even with a two- or three-week stretch where they really had red zone issues, I mean, they're fourth in red zone offense going into this Thursday night game. So there's not a whole lot that you can point to and say, okay, that's been a major problem. Uh, just consistency in general, as I mentioned to you in some of these games that they've either let go or uh, in the case of when the Ravens you know, went out to the desert to play Arizona a few weeks back, if you remember uh, in the fourth quarter, you know, where they're letting mm -hmm. teams back in, you know, just finishing games a little more strongly, just being a little more consistent from, you know, the, the, the opening whistle to the, the, the end of the fourth quarter. But you know, I, I think it's been good overall. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson, it hasn't been his 2019 historic MVP season, but he's having a good season. I mean, career high in completion percentage, uh, you know, obviously the, run, the rushing ability is still there, even if the volume isn't quite as much for him taking off as often as he used to. But, you know, by and large, I think way more positive than negative, just a matter of trying to be a little more consistent. And if there's something I point to here over the last two to three weeks, 
Lamar's missed on some opportunities on some deep balls. I mean, there was a, a wide-open Zay Flowers where they could have really busted this game open in the second quarter uh, against Cleveland that Lamar missed him. So, you know, little things like that. But overall, again, you look at the numbers and hard to be unhappy with where they are with, with Todd Monk. And I think just a matter of just trying to chase more consistency and see if you can reach your full, full ceiling as an offense here uh, as they get you know, closer to December and January. Odell Beckham has touchdown catches in each of the last two games. Uh, should we assume that he's uh, kind of recovered from the injuries of recent seasons now? I mean, I, I'm torn on that. I mean, I think, first of all, and I believe you and I talked about this even in the spring after they signed him. I mean, is he a $15 million wide receiver at this point in his career? No. Uh, and I think you, you kind of go back and look at this, the timing of that signing, which was uh, Easter Sunday, uh, if I recall, is when they came to terms. That was still at a point where they were very much at a crossroads with Lamar Jackson's contract scenario situation and the fact that he had requested a trade a month earlier. Uh, so I think if you view it through the proper lens of that signing kind of being an, an olive branch and being something that helped them eventually get a deal done with Lamar Jackson, which I'll still say the Jalen Hurts deal had more to do with that than the Odell Beckham signing uh, in terms of setting the market, what it was ultimately going to be for him. But, you know, Beckham, he, by all accounts, he's been a good teammate. Uh, you know, he, he's been on the field more than they would have many people might have expected, even though he has missed some time, missed some time earlier this year. He's missed some practice time here and there. But I think the big question is, can he win on the outside in the way that he used to? And that's where I think there's been some question. He kind of had that vintage touchdown on the slant against Cleveland, but by and large, you know, it hasn't been as consistent for him. Uh, in fact, here recently, he's played a little bit more out of the slot, and there's been some modest success there. So he's not their true number one wide receiver. I mean, Zay Flowers is that guy. But I think Beckham is good enough, and it has been good and encouraging for him to get these touchdown, you know, a touchdown in each of the last two games that he can still make some plays for them here or there, whether he's the number two or number three wide receiver. Uh, and I think there's still a thought that you know, he can still help them. Might be a big catch you know, late in the season if they're trying to you know, play in for the number one seed or, or trying to you know, lock up the division or even playing in the postseason. I think there's some thoughts that he can still help them. But Clearly, the volume hasn't been there. Clearly, you know, he's not on his way to a 1,000-yard season or anything close to that. But I think the best way I'd probably put it is some cautious optimism based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks. But certainly it hasn't been, uh, you know, it hasn't been the comeback tour that he would have hoped for from an individual standpoint, uh, statistically speaking. Talking Ravens with Luke Jones, obviously tonight's big game against the Bengals. Uh, when we talked in the preseason, we were wondering about the pass rush. <laughs> well, the pass rush, uh, they've been among the league leaders. In fact, uh, I know they entered last week with uh, the most sacks in the league. I'm not sure if that's changed after last week. But, you know, why have they been so good at getting the quarterback? It really has been such a collective effort. And let me, let me acknowledge a couple guys right off the bat. I mean, Justin Matabike is having an excellent season. He's in a contract year. Defensive tackle who – you know, showed promise going back to his 2020 rookie season, and people had predicted breakout seasons each of the last two years, and it didn't really happen to the degree that it has this year, but he's been very good. So whenever you have that inside pass rusher for any defense, I think that makes a difference. Uh, you know, and certainly Jadavion Clowney with five-and-a-half sacks, he's been a really – big part of what they've done and he's had a little bit of a renaissance after almost having the reputation of kind of becoming a run defender and not much more than that uh, in yeah. Cleveland here recent you know the last couple years 
but I think it really other beyond those two singling those two out it has been such an ensemble effort it's been a collective effort Mike McDonald with this defense uh, they blitz but they don't blitz at a Wink Martindale level of where their defense was two three four years ago but but between some blitzing here and there stunts you know games with their defensive linemen and a lot of simulated pressures they are just so good at confusing quarterbacks not just pre-snap but even when the ball is snapped, because they'll line up with you know, sometimes seven or eight guys at the line of scrimmage, but they'll only send four, or in some cases they'll only send three, but you don't know which uh, of those guys are coming. So mm-hmm. it's really, they've done such a good job of confusing quarterbacks. And when you confuse a quarterback, when you make a quarterback doubt, and he holds on to the ball an extra half second, I mean, that's the difference between a sack and throwing the ball away or finding someone in the flats or whatever it might be. So it really has been such an impressive effort collectively. I mean, they you know, whether you're talking about defensive backs, corners, their inside linebackers, I mean, Patrick Queen at inside linebacker, one of the best blitzers in the league from the off-ball linebacker position. Uh, it really has been such a collective effort. So even though Matabike you know, is on his way to a double-digit uh, double sack season and a big payday, whether it's in Baltimore or somewhere else, it really has been such an impressive collective effort. And I think the, the, the term that Mike McDonald has talked about a lot w- with that front is unselfish, guys playing their part on any given play to set up another teammate uh, to, to bring down the quarterback. So, you know, they're, they're not a team that's going to just line up and play with a, a standard four-man front and, and beat you that way in the way that, say, the Cleveland Browns can do with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. But – it's just been such an impressive effort collectively. They really do play great team defense when it comes to a pass rush. And you don't normally think about a pass rush in those terms, but they're just so creative and so good with their scheme, and they've executed it so very well. On the injury front, uh, corner Marlon Humphrey, doubtful tonight because of a calf injury. How big of a loss is it if he doesn't play tonight, and how will they try to compensate? Well, I mean, it's definitely a loss. And, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the last time anyone that was listed as doubtful played for the Ravens, so I'd be shocked if he's out there. In fact, there was some initial concern uh, when he went down last Sunday that it might be an Achilles. So they were happy that it was only a calf injury, mm. although those can be tricky as well. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a loss. Uh, I mean, Marlon Humphrey missed the first four games of the season uh, after having foot surgery back in mid-August, and they did a very good job. Again, I talk, you, know, that you can sense the theme here when I talk about their scheme and how well they execute team defense. Uh, They don't ask their corners to do quite as much playing on an island as they did with Wink Martindale when it was Marlin and Marcus Peters as their two Pro Bowl uh, corners on the outside. Uh, But they've gotten a big lift from Brandon Stevens, a third-year corner who was actually practicing at safety (laughs) in the spring and the start of training camp. Uh, He's really... Uh, become an established starter on that opposite side. But in place of Humphrey, it's either going to be uh, Rock Yassin, uh, of course, a veteran who they signed right after the draft, solid but not a great player, or it could also be Ronald Darby factoring in there. So it's a loss, no question about that. Uh, I mean, the Ravens typically haven't been a team that's going to have Marlon Humphrey travel too much, but you look on the opposite side, no T. Higgins, so you better lock down Jamar yeah. Chase. There's no doubt about that. So that does worry you but what we've seen the Ravens do against this Bengals offense uh, since Mike McDonald's taken over as the coordinator has been a lot of two high looks a lot of forcing the Bengals forcing Joe Burrow to take completions underneath and then funneling to the ball and tackling uh, and I think you know that's that's going to be the 
you know, the, the goal again, you love having Marlon Humphrey out there because he's a very sound tackler in addition to being an elite corner on the outside. Uh, so that'll be a challenge. There's no doubt about it. But uh, as I mentioned with the pass rush, it's the same way on the back end of their defense. I mean, they're just they're going to have to play really good team defense, uh, a lot of two high safeties, and they're going to they cannot let Jamar Chase uh, get behind them because uh, we know what that looks like. Even if you don't have T. Higgins on the opposite side, uh, if you're the Bengals tonight. Yeah, the Cardinals found out about that when they played yeah. here, obviously. Uh, the other side of the ball, uh, Ronnie Stanley, uh, not expected to play. So how are they uh, trying to get by without their stud left tackle? Uh, unfortunately, Bob, as we've talked about on a number of occasions, it's something the Ravens are used to. I mean, it's just, I mean, Ronnie Stanley, you know, I, mm-hmm. I commend him for making a comeback last year, you know, after having that horrendous ankle injury three years ago and multiple surgeries. But, you know, even when he's been on the field this year, he's not playing like a $20 million tackle uh, at this point uh, in his career. You know, he, he hurt his right knee, uh, which is the opposite, you know, it's opposite leg of the ankle injury. Uh, back in week one, he missed three games. So he didn't play in the first meeting uh, with the Bengals. It's going to be Patrick McCary at left tackle, who, to his credit, did a really good job blocking Trey Hendrickson uh, in the week two meeting between these teams. So it's going to be McCary once again. Ravens used a lot of quick game back in that week two win, you know, a lot of quick passing game uh, because they were worried about that pass rush and they were missing Stanley and also Tyler Linderbaum, who uh, is becoming, rapidly becoming a Pro Bowl caliber center. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to be in there tonight, so that certainly helps. But uh, with McCary, you know, you don't have as much upside as I guess the idea of what Ronnie Stanley once was before all the injuries. But, you know, you'd love to have him out there. But Stanley, he's been inconsistent, and you know, he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level even before this latest injury. So uh, I'd, I'd love to sit here and say that it's this massive loss for the Ravens. And you know, three years ago, four years ago, it w- was a big loss. But considering where he is at this point in his career and considering how much I do think of Patrick McCarry, I think it is an injury that, yeah, you'd rather not have it, but I don't think it necessarily drastically changes what they're going to try to do on offense tonight. Okay, so throw us uh, throw us all together. Bottom line, uh, you got a score for tonight? I do. I, I, I like the Ravens 23-20. As much as I just spent time talking about the frustration of these late you know, fourth-quarter blown leads and their three losses, I mean, reality is I think the Ravens have looked the part of a championship-caliber team for far greater periods of time in 2023 than the Bengals have, quite frankly, who – have looked really good, looked like they were turning a corner, and then they lost to Houston this past Sunday. Ravens are playing at home. Short week is an issue for both teams, but I do like the Ravens in this football game with their defense containing Joe Burrow, not stopping him, but containing him as they've been able to do successfully uh, really the last few times they played. So I like the Ravens 23-20 in a far more entertaining Thursday night game than last week or what we typically <laughs> expect out of Thursday night football. So that's a good thing for all of us watching. That's right. Good for the world in general. There you go. All right, Luke, always a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we'll catch up to you later in the season for sure. Sounds great, Bob. Take care. You too. Luke Jones, WNST.net in Baltimore. And uh, that was uh, you know, difficult to um, watch last Thursday night. So looking forward to this. I wish everybody were healthy, but it's Thursday night, and there's almost never a Thursday night game that anybody uh, is at full, either team's at full strength, and that's certainly not the case tonight. 
All right, next segment, phone call time if you want to jump aboard. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, today's uh, bottom line, we'll get to some of the pipeline questions and non-poll questions for today. Of course, we'll answer the poll questions uh, with Kayla at uh, around 1230 today during the uh, the extra point. But next segment, uh, a little bottom line and also some Suns and Wolves analysis. But feel free to interrupt if you want to get in. we got plenty of time for you in the next segment, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602 260 1060. Get your phone calls in just a couple of seconds. First up, a little bottom line for today and uh, from today's pipeline. Of course, the poll questions today will answer. During the uh, 1230 or so segment, uh, during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, questions today, uh, the uh, KDUS1060.com poll question is, who you got tonight, ATS, Bengals minus, uh, uh, Bengals plus four, excuse me, or the Ravens minus minus four. And then the uh, poll, the Twitter poll question, does Deshaun Watson's season in the injury mean no postseason for the Browns? Also in today's pipeline, uh, stood, what stood out during the uh, Suns' 123-115 victory last night over the Timberwolves? The bottom line is that Devin, uh, Devin Booker, clearly better, back from his calf injury. Uh, he scored 31 points. And, uh, you know, really, I don't think there's much question that, uh, you know, the Suns certainly dominated that game last night. But uh, look, Booker looked good and was aggressive in you know, 25 minutes, and they – they were able to kind of uh, budget that time better because they had such a big lead for the majority of the game. Meanwhile, what, uh, why, why I should say, why did the NBA bother to even try uh, to discourage teams for, you know, from you know, basically load management this year? I have no idea. They, they, they supposedly were cracking down on this, but I think they learned pretty quickly that how are they going to be able to legally do that? You know, teams, uh, you know, some of these injuries have been legitimate. Some of them are guys obviously just resting, and that really is no change, at least from my viewpoint, of what we've had in the past season. So we'll see what's going on. They're doing everything. I get this part. They're doing everything to get players on the court because their future television contracts are going to be negotiated in 2024, uh, moving forward, obviously, uh, after this particular season. Uh, so I get that. And that's, that's another one of the reasons that they've got this bogus in-season tournament going on. Meanwhile, lastly, uh, as far as the pipeline questions today, we will not answer it later in the uh, extra point because those are poll questions. Uh, Trevor Lawrence heard a, a debate last night. I don't know if it was a debate, a discussion yesterday on NFL Network whether they would pick up his option for his fifth season next year. The Jags would. There's no way that the, the the Jags can let Lawrence go, even though he certainly has not performed well as well as expected when he was the number one overall pick. And fantasy owners, I know several fantasy owners in one quarterback leagues are actually cutting him, but there's no question that he's still among the upper half of NFL starting quarterbacks. So I'm a little confused as why this was even a topic on NFL Network yesterday, hence the reason it was a topic in the pipeline today. 
All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt and Phoenix, what's going on? Bob, how are you? How you doing? I'm good. Good. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some college football. But first, uh, since we uh, last spoke, um, Craig Council is not the manager of the New York Mets. Um, what are your thoughts on him in Chicago and then the Mets hire of Carlos Mendoza? I, I'll leave the Mendoza thing for you. I'd rather get, you know, I have no idea, so I'll get your take on that. As far as him going to Chicago, when you offer $2.5 million more than the Brewers did, you're going to go to Chicago. So that's exactly apparently what happened there. Uh, yeah, I think he's a tremendous manager. And then, you know, other than Bochy, uh, I think he's the best in-game manager in baseball, and I'm not so sure he's not better than Bochy because Bochy's had, I think, a better player roster uh, in his years okay. in San Francisco and in Texas than he had the uh, councils had in Milwaukee. So there's that. You tell me about Mendoza. I don't know that much about him, quite frankly. I don't know either. Um, I know he's from the, the hated rival, um, but I, I don't know much either. Um, I do trust in, in David Stearns. I think he, he's a smart baseball guy. So um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt until I see otherwise and get some actual game action. Um, really quickly, piggybacking uh, on the Brewers' talks, um, I heard somewhere, uh, I forgot now where, um, that there's going to be a full fire sale there. Have you heard that? Oh, also? yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Corbin Burns, he's going to get traded here soon. Uh, okay. It'll be shocking if he does not get traded this offseason. And uh, obviously, you know, Woodruff's not going to – Woodward? Yeah, he's not coming back. Woodruff's not coming back this next yep. year anyway. So they, unfortunately, the you know, between council leaving and their pitching staff uh, eroding quickly for a variety of reasons, uh, which was their strength certainly. Uh, you know, the the Brewers are not anywhere near a playoff team next year. One guy that intrigues me the most, maybe not for the Mets, but just from a perspective of where he'll end up if they do um, go full fire sale mode, is Devin Williams. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. terrific reliever, young, uh, probably controllable. I'm not overly familiar with the contract, um, but and, and tremendous uh, late inning reliever that you can use in a multitude of spots. So he's going to have quite a market if if they do go that route. I would think so for sure. I don't know his contractual situation either, but he hasn't been pitching that long, so you know he's not close. Yep. To, I know he's not a you know he's not. I can't imagine he's a free agent in the next couple of years. So. Um, yeah, he would be a, he'd be a hot property out there for sure. Absolutely. Um, I want to go Oregon State, Washington. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about the uh, Oregon State secondary, uh, justifiably so, especially uh, it's hard for me to forget that Washington State game, even though it was so long ago. Um, well, true, obviously. Um, Washington is actually 122nd in college football and pass yards allowed per game. And with the running threat of, of Oregon State, um, I've got to think that that will allow DJU to make some plays in the pass game. A couple of the things that I've looked into, um, Oregon State's got a really good pass rush, um, fourth in the country in sacks. And then kind of the under-the-radar uh, things, uh, Oregon State not a good punting team. Uh, I know you're a big special teams guy, 115th in net punt yards per game. Ooh. And then Washington is a very highly penalized team, uh, near bottom yep. of the country in, in both penalties and yards per game. 
think those things could come back to uh, to haunt each of those teams. Um, crazy statistic here: past three seasons, Oregon State at home is seventeen and one ATS. Yeah. Um, I took an early two and a half. It's the only way I could go in the game. I now that I know that line has now flipped completely. Um, what are yes. your thoughts? And I think what you're going to say is we've talked about this for probably a month or so, and this is the spot to fade the Huskies. Well, but I'm not personally going to do it because I still have uh, you know, Oregon State's still alive to win the conference. They are. So yeah, yep. I have a ten to one ticket for them to win the conference. So I'm just going to sit and hope that happens. I'm pretty stunned that the Oregon State's now favored in this game. Uh, so you know, I was you know. Hoping that you know, it would be you know, Washington would continue. I, I would, Washington's been extremely fortunate to win their you know last four games. They, they beat Oregon. Uh, you know they should have never won that game. They beat Arizona State. They should have never won that game. They beat Stanford, who would have won that game. Stanford would have won that game had they not dropped a pass on a, a trick play on the special teams. And then they beat Utah, who they were losing to at halftime. And then Utah got they're down to their third left tackle last week and didn't score in the second half. Those will be the last four Washington wins. Yeah, playing with fire. Um, Michigan and Ohio State, um, bad ATS um, the week before they play each other. Um, but boy, Especially Ohio Minnesota. State. Yes. Uh, Minnesota is bad. Um, yes, they are. I'm not sure Maryland is a whole lot better. Do you have any interest in either of the dogs in those particular matchups? Uh, I believe it's now 2-20 and 20, Ohio State the week before the Michigan game against wow, the spread. I didn't know it was that bad. Okay. I mean, it's horrendous. I mean, it's really bad. They, they've, never, they've only lost one of those games straight up, and that was the Luke Fickle interim year, which really doesn't count. Uh, you know, they used to lose this game the before the, before the Michigan game. During the Cooper regime, they actually would lose the Michigan game and often the week before the Michigan game. Uh, but, you know, they uh, – I've got no interest in you – know, I can't take Minnesota. I mean, they're just – they're horrible. And, yeah, you know, their defense I, – I don't understand how their defense has become this bad because uh, they've got I mean, a lot Purdue of the same players. They had 600 yards of offense last week. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and teams are running against them, and it's kind of the same – some of the same guys and the same scheme and the same coach. So yep. I got no Absolutely. idea what has happened in the Minnesota defense. So I got burned on them – Earlier this season, thinking that they were still really good on defense, and they got you know, got run out of the building against North Carolina. So that was the end of me for Minnesota this year. Uh, so you know, but you know, the historic. If you're into the trend thing, uh, you always go against Ohio State the week before the Michigan game. Lastly, um, Iowa State's had a lot of success recently against Texas. I think they've won three of the last four. Uh, last year's game was decided by a field goal in Austin. Um, I've watched this Iowa State team, unfortunately, a decent amount, struggling to get the <laughs> Kansas game out of my head in which Kansas was off the Oklahoma win. It seemed like a great spot for Iowa State. Um, but I haven't been impressed with Texas even last week, um, allowing TCU back in the game, and that's a bad TCU team. Um, can this one stay close um, with Matt Campbell's success as a dog, or does Texas run them out here? I guess it could stay close. I mean, I have no interest in Texas at this point. I think that the the most important thing that happened last Saturday uh, in college football in the nation 
who is when Jonathan Brooks, their leading rusher, who has yeah, over 1,100 yards rushing this year. He didn't even start like the first two or three games. He still had over 1,100 yards rushing for the year. He went down with a season-ending injury. So I've got no use for Texas until further notice. They're probably the rest of the season. I just don't trust Iowa State. Actually, I'm hearing that yeah, Matt Campbell is his reclamation tour here. Uh, that you know, he now is a hot property again for some of these head coaching jobs around college football, oh, including boy. maybe Texas, including maybe Texas A&M. But hell, oh, my God. everybody yeah, but you, everybody thing. but you and yeah, everybody but you and I have been mentioned for the Texas A&M, and we maybe maybe you've been mentioned for the Texas A&M job. Nobody's told, contacted me and asked <laughs> me if I were interested. But uh, but anyway, the Matt Campbell stuff's out there again. Speaking of coaching, is Jonathan Smith going to get another job considering Oregon State being, uh, you know, relative? Yeah, I heard – got I got to kind of kind of quick here, but UCLA I've heard mentioned as if the UCLA job opens that that would be okay. a thing. But, you know, he's got family stuff going on too, not just the fact he's an alum at Oregon for Oregon State. Yeah. There's, there's, other, there's other factors apparently. That's one of the reasons he went back from Washington as the coordinator to Oregon State. So, uh, so I've heard. All right, good, good, good stuff. Thank you. We will get to some suns and uh, during the extra point for sure. I mentioned a little bit about that during the uh, the uh, pipeline today to start the show. All right, next segment we'll wrap up the sports zone. A quick segment today. It's been a little look. It's been a little more of a balanced uh, first hour this or uh, most of this week, but uh, today going to be quick uh, hit or miss uh, segment. Uh, so. We're trying to hit in the next segment. Don't forget the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll go through a whole lot of stuff, um, including, I'm guessing, uh, you know, some stuff from last night with the Suns. Uh, uh, I got a little bit about the Suns. I didn't have time to get to it in this segment, but I, there were a few observations. As always, it's a game in November, and unfortunately, they didn't have the big three out there again because Bradley Beal had some back spasms yesterday and uh, looked like that the big three were going to play for the first time together, but that didn't happen. It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, three-minute segment here. Here we go. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Uh, the latest line for tonight's football game, which we previewed earlier this hour with Luke Jones from Baltimore. The Ravens are now down pretty much everywhere, at least in, in Las Vegas, literally everywhere that I have a casino number for, uh, down to three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game uh, against, uh, against the Bengals tonight with the total – Sitting at uh, pretty much, well, there's a few, anywhere from 45 and a half to 46 and a half. So there's some variance there if you uh, have access uh, to Las Vegas uh, betting, etc. There's You can kind of shop around and get the number that you want. Meanwhile, some other quick things here. The NBA announced yesterday Draymond Green suspended five games for his role in the uh, the rumble between the, uh, the Warriors and the Grizzlies on, not the Grizzlies, the Warriors and the Wolves on Tuesday night. Uh, too bad the NBA doesn't apparently have enough power to hand down a suspension that would maybe be green to stop the inappropriate behavior on the floor that we've witnessed for many years, quite frankly. And I'm um, long ago tired of watching Draymond Green play because uh, he's got tremendous skills, great passer for a big dude, good defender. I'm just tired of all the crap. 
And uh, I'm sure that uh, Rudy Gobert is tired of it, too. And he said that, basically. Meanwhile, in addition to that, uh, as far as a couple other quick things, speculation in the NFL that the league might move the trade deadline back a few weeks or at least a couple of weeks. Uh, It was October 31st this past year. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I mean, that's uh, the, the tanking people are going to you know, argue, or the people, anti-tanking people are going to say this is going to result in more teams tanking. But I think that they need to move that deadline back. College football, correctly, uh, Northwestern has uh, decided that David Braun, who's done a tremendous job, they have five wins uh, in his interim season. They've taken the interim tag away, and he will be the Northwestern coach for the foreseeable future. All right, next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, and uh, we'll cover many topics, a little more, uh, I'm sure, time, a little time on the Suns, which I, I have almost no time to get to this particular hour. A couple observations from last night. Not a lot. I mean, the game was a route pretty much from the start, but they did win, and they had lost four consecutive home games before last night, and the, uh, the Wolves had actually won seven straight games overall until last night. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. The Extra Point hosted by Kayla coming up next.